morning. What a great, beautiful day we get again. It is good to have you. If you're online, uh, good to have you today. I'm Dan. I serve as the pastor here, and this is Discover Birch Bay weekend, and so I'm glad you came here and discovered us if you're, if you're new with us uh, to gather here today. Uh, we're wrapping up a, a teaching series called Flourish, and so this entire summer, we have been intentional about Jesus, which we should be, but I know that summertime we can kind of get laxed a little bit. We can kind of get just in the ease of the summer and everything, and we kind of we can kind of lax our, in our faith and kind of flake out actually sometimes. I've seen people do that. And so our desire this summer is to say we're going to take some time and just talk about some spiritual practices, and we, we've covered confession, we've covered solitude and silence, we spent some time last week talking about rest, oh, celebration was last week, but we're going to conclude today, as you might have seen here, and if, if you're online, we're going to have a time of communion at the end, and if you're watching in the moment here, you want to grab some crackers and juice to prepare with us, us to do that at the end, but we're going to take some time talking about communion, and communion is one of those Practices. It was, it's, the, it's probably the oldest ordinances in the church that people do because it's really based on what Jesus said for us to do. And that is, he says, do this in remembrance of me. And as Christ followers, when Jesus says to do something, that's, that's our cue to do it, right? That's our, that's our opportunity to enter in uh, and follow what Jesus has called us to do. You know, baptism is another ordinance in the church that we're going to celebrate tonight. And I hope that of the couple people that are going to be doing that, I hope that you can join us down at the bottom of the hill and celebrate these lives that will be impacted that way. But, but communion is a great way. And, and, and the thing about communion, like a lot of things, if we're not careful, it can kind of be a, a religious activity that we do in a repetitive way that we don't always think about it. And I'm hoping today you have some new thoughts and even at North Bay, we do it on a, typically on a monthly basis, and we have a certain format, and then what you do that. And a lot of times, we're, we're used to that, and they, maybe times we need to change it up a little bit, which we'll do here in a, in a few moments. But I was thinking about a time where probably one of the most memorable communities we've had as a family. It was several years ago. I had an opportunity to go on a sabbatical, and our kids are probably early. My son was, our son was early high school, and our daughter was like uh, probably probably still middle school and we for the summer as a pastor and you're where do you go on sabbatical well did go did go here by the way I got the permission to go to other churches as some of you get to do maybe on vacation and 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 so we rotated different churches and so whoever's person who was their week they get to pick the church they, they they went to and so it was my week to pick the church and I said we're going to go to the church I grew up as a kid. And the kids were like, that church? Oh, we have to go that one? And there was kind of, I said, and, and so no, you're going to love this. It's an old historical church. And, and we walk in and, and immediately, I, I hadn't been there in like 30 years. And immediately, I, the sights and the smells of it and just the moment, it was a very nostalgic. And actually, it was very emotional for me. Because the last time I'd been there was when my dad was alive. Actually, the last time, this is kind of a sobering thing, was the last time was his funeral in this building. So it, was, it meant a lot to me in this moment. But our kids, you know, that age, they're like, this is weird, and what's going on? I'm like, 
It's not weird. It's different, okay? And we'll talk afterwards about it at lunch. And we're going to, I bribed him for Chinese food after. We'll have Chinese food after. Remember Chinese? We're going to do that. And if you have had kids, you're, you're teaching them. But we're changing it up. We're mixing it up a little bit different today. And I said, I've done this. I grew up here. Just follow my lead. And, you know, up and down and kneeling and different things, a lot of movement in, in the church. And I loved it. It was like very, very uh, nostalgic for me and memorable for me. And when we came to the communion time or for that church, you, you walk the aisle and you go and there's a station for the bread and there's a station for the cup. And I said, just follow my lead. This is how we're going to do this. And, and so we get back and I look in the, in the pew and there's, we're missing our daughter. Somehow she got lost in the church somewhere and then finally she you know shovels in and like she's kind of distraught and she sits down i'm like what's going on and like we'll talk at chinese food what's happening here and so afterwards it's like honey what what happened to you and she goes well i i followed your lead i went and got the bread and then then i went over to the station with the the cup and this this bearded lady says to me consume the host and I don't know what to do. And then she's like, you know, eat the, it was, you know, eat the bread and then the cup and everything. And I'm like, bearded lady. And then, so then we had this conversation. First, the host was the wafer. It was called a host, not an alien abduction or anything like that. And that was freaked her out. And then, but freaked her out more was a bearded lady. So then we had the conversation about some women, when they get older, will grow whiskers. She's like, what? And this whore, she's like, will I grow whiskers too? And like this whole thing. And my wife's kind of calming her down about the whole thing. Like that was a, I'm just saying that was the most memorable communion I've ever had right there. How about you? Now, so if you're here and you're a bearded lady, I'm sorry and, you know, about that and offending you. But all that to say is, you know, these experiences we have, maybe you didn't have a bearded lady experience at all, but we have, the, the, the communion is to be a, a memorable time. And what we're remembering is not the, the activity we're doing, we're remembering what Jesus has done for us. And so something that's so common, we can, we can gloss over. So I want to, I guess, do a little bit of teaching this morning, if I could, you know, so I'm be a little teaching. You can take some notes on this. Maybe some new thoughts about communion, because communion is expressed in, in various different ways based on traditions. And if you look at each of these traditions, how many know it usually ties back to something that was spiritual and meaningful for those group of people and really stems back from the early church where it all started. So it might be surprising. I've heard this term before. I didn't know what it meant. So we're going to talk about some expressions and different names and really look at different lens of what communion is all about. And the first description that we're going to look at is it's called, communion is called the Lord's Table. You, you probably have heard that before. But honestly, I didn't know the, tr the meaning where it, where it came from. There's in Greek and Roman culture that term is used. And, and it's a religious term, but it's actually a pagan practice back in the day where you know, the Romans, they would have different gods they believed, and, and, and so they would basically host a god in their home. And they would be, that, that, that god would be the, the guest of honor. And so they would say, the, the, you know, the lord of whatever, and they would greet that god in this, in, at their house. And, and so they'd have a meal, and then literally they would have a place setting for that god. That's what they did. So the lord's table was, was, was the lord of whatever god that signified that you're hosting at the time. So then what, 
then you go into the New Testament, and you look at the believers who were in the Roman world and new Christians, and they maybe came from the pagan world, or they're still interacting in the pagan world, and Paul's trying to help the apostle, the leader in the church at the time, trying to help them go, how do you navigate, maybe no different than you, and with, with hanging out with you know, non-Christian friends and their practices, the things you're doing, you're trying to just be friends with them and be an influence, but also being careful of the things you're doing. So Paul will say, hey, be careful not to eat food, sacrifice to idols, and that was an issue that some of the, the believers were, were working through. But, but it's interesting, he says this in 1 Corinthians to the church there that was in this pagan world. He says, he says this, he says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. And so he's basically saying, hey, those gods are really actually, it's demonic was what you're doing. And I think it's good advice for you. I, I personally don't like to sit at the table of demons. Are, are you with me on that? Uh, some of you are like, you haven't met my family at the holiday, okay? There's all, we all have the crazy family uh, that's coming up soon. But the communion of the Lord's table is basically saying, Jesus, you're the head of our table. You're the one that we are going to put our, our your, we, we welcome your presence, we welcome you in our, in our midst, in our gathering, we honor you. You're the honored guest. It's all about you, it's honoring you, it's remembering you and communing with you. And that's what, when, when you say the Lord's table, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And so we celebrate communion this way, and that's what the, the early church did. And they just needed to realize who was at the head of the table and really the question for us who's that of your life of your life and because we all have at times we we've had horrible bosses how many of you had a horrible boss before come here raise your hand i have you and your hand went up your boss isn't in this room so that's good okay good 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 call there just makes it does he oh he goes to church here too or she does too so i've had a horrible boss i've had the worst boss i'm telling you he was a tyrant I could never, I could get up, I could, where are you going? I'm going to the bathroom and get back down. And like, just, just on me, constantly, constantly, constantly. I had no break whatsoever. It was a horrible, horrible boss. You know who the boss was? Me. <laughs> I, I've been a bad boss to myself, right? I'm hard on myself. I mean, and I realized I'm horrible about being the boss of my life. Anytime I try to do this, communion is this opportunity to say, Lord, be the head of my Head of my, not only head of my table, be the head of my life. Be the king of my heart, Lord. I need you. So our response to the Lord's table is really this, is submission. I'm submitting myself to you, Jesus. In a few minutes, we're going to hold the bread and the cup, and we're going to participate in the Lord's table. But just praying, Jesus, be the head. Be the head of my life. Be the rule and reign, and let you be king of my heart. The, the other thing of Lord's table is really, well, the Lord's Supper, really the Last Supper. You've heard that term, the Last Supper. Apostle Paul warns the church of Corinth to be careful, as he mentioned before, who you're associating with and who you're spending time with. But he also gives instructions about the Lord's table. The, and it's referring to as the last, or the, the, the last Supper. So Paul says, for I received from the Lord, I pass on to you. And you're thinking, well, Paul wasn't one of the original 12. Why does he say that? Some would say that when he's saying that is that he's received from the Lord through others who were one of the original 12 at the Last Supper with, the, with Jesus, or he had a divine revelation. In Acts chapter 9, we read that Paul had these visions, and it very much he had experienced Jesus himself just speaking to him directly. We don't really know, but 
but he's recounting this last gathering with the disciples, the night that Jesus was going to be betrayed, the next day he was going to go to the cross, and it was called the Passover meal. And so when the disciples are gathering with Jesus and having this experience in the upper room, they, they weren't necessarily, this wasn't odd to them at all. This is what you do, actually, is to have a Passover meal. But the Passover meal that they're about to experience was going to be different. There's moments of going, what? What, what are you saying, Jesus? Wait a second, that's not in the script. That's not how we do tradition. That's, this is a little bit different. And what, what, what was happening in this Passover meal was that, that Jesus was taking a different turn with it. It was a huge, you got to understand, it was a big, massive moment that was happening. That Jesus was saying this. This is what the words that Paul says, what happened. He says, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and we had given thanks, he broke it. That's common, what you do. And then he says this, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do you? What? In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup, this cup which should be held up as part of the Passover meal, it is a new covenant. Wait, wait a second, new? It, it, in my, in, my, in my blood, his blood? To do this, whenever you drink in remembrance of me, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Lord's death, Jesus, your death? Like, what? You gotta think about that, don't you? You gotta think about all that was going on. We hear this, and we play it over and over, and we know it's communion, and we're thankful to God, and we'll take time to do that, but it was brand new to them. They probably had no con kind of understanding, concept of what really, really was going down. So, so Jesus is saying, hey, this Passover, you got to understand what this means. This is, this is me doing this. And so what he's saying is that, and, and if you don't know what Passover is, it was when the people of Israel, they were enslaved in bondage to Egypt. And God was sending all these plagues, and they got to this last plague. It was kind of the, 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 the Pharaoh, that the, he was not letting the people go. He didn't want to let go of this, this massive workforce. Finally, God sends the, this plague. The last plague is the killing of all the firstborn children, everyone's firstborn children in that region. And except if he told the Israel people, Israelite people, he said, listen, if you would follow my instructions and take the blood of a lamb and put it over your doorpost, I will then pass over, pass over your house, and I will spare everyone in your family. And then people were obedient, and they did that, and that happened. It was a terrible plague, but that sparked the Pharaoh that said, I'm going to let him go, I'm going to let these people go. And that was a moment. It was a massive tradition and holiday was Passover. And so when Jesus says, I am the Lamb of God. He's saying, I am that sacrificial Lamb. I am my blood, not over a doorpost. It's going to be shed on a cross. And, and so when God looks at sin, He's going to pass over you because of my blood covering my life. And, you know, we know this, and many of you have been in church and you understand this, but they're just trying to comprehend what was going on. It was a huge deal. Basically, saying, He says, a new covenant. Well, what was the old covenant? Well, the book of 
the books of the Bible that we have, the Old Testament law, the, 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 the Mosaic covenant, which was all these rituals and all these steps to, to appease our sin. And so the temple rituals and all that was going on that we, that we read about, it, Jesus is going, that the Mosaic covenant's past, but this new covenant is going to be with my blood. No more blood needed to be sacrificed. I mean, they didn't understand what was happening, but this was the moment that, that we needed to pin, pinpoint. And I love what Jesus says in this, do this in remembrance of me. He said, replay this over and over again, because probably as we're doing it this very night, you have no idea what's happening. You don't understand it all, but you will. And you need to play it over and over. Just like the Passover we do every single year, you need to remember and remember and remember what really I have done for you. That's why we do it. We remember. Why? Because we have spiritual amnesia. We forget. We forget what God has done in our life, what Jesus has forgiven our sins. And we know it, we know it, we know it. But we live sometimes that we don't, we don't think about it much. We live in such a way that we don't pay attention. We have to be reminded over and over not to forget. It's a big moment. So here's a response to the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, is remember. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. It's a memorial meal that we have, to, that this blood that was sacrificed for, for, that Jesus did is covering our lives, and it leads to also his body being broken. And the, and the, and the, the bread represents that suffering of his body being broken. So another phrase of communion is the breaking of bread, the breaking of bread. We maybe say this is, is a common thing Christians say or people say like, hey, w w you want to break bread together. We come on over, let's break bread. That means have a meal with us, uh, have, have a time, we can spend time together and it could be over a meal, it could be chips and salsa, it could be whatever it is, but let's just spend some time together. And that really is the meaning, uh, the communion is having community together and, and the Apostle Paul shares about this. He says of what this communion is. He says, it's, it is not the cup of thanksgiving which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ, and it's not the, the, the bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ. And so this, what he's saying is, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a meaning of participation is this translation of thanksgiving, but really is this word fellowship, where we use the word koinonia. And it doesn't mean necessarily not just, just eat together, but actually have deep spiritual community together. I tell you, there's something very, very special when followers of Jesus come together in community. It's not like it's anything significant. Is, is, there's significance when we have friends over that don't know Jesus, and it's great, and there's connection made. But there's something deep. There's a heart-to-heart. -heart. The same Lord that lives in you through his spirit lives in me, and there's a bond that's there. That's this koinonia, this expression, really where we find covenant comes from. We don't use the word covenant a lot, um, but, it's, but it's a powerful, powerful word. We live in a very non-committal world right now. And, and, and so when we move toward that, like, wow, we're really making a commitment to one another. The, the other day, I, I, did a, I did a wedding on a Thursday. I thought that was, I, I think, did I ever do a wedding on a Thursday? Just the other day over here, Samian, we had a beautiful wedding. And when I talked with the couple about this, I said, you know, you're not just tying the knot. You're not just signing a wedding certi certificate. It's a covenant. It's agreement that you're making with one another. It's like, it's koinonia. And so when, when in, in the ancient world, covenant meals were a sign of where you made a peace treaty. You know, I think of Psalms 
23, where it says, you know, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's a, it's a signing agreement saying we're warring parties are going to come together and have this covenant meal with each other. Covenant is, is something that we associate with in doing that, but also we're ratifying it and recommitting when we have communion together. So when Jesus says this new covenant of his blood, it's a reminder to us that it's, it's in relationship both vertical with Christ that, we'll, that we do, but also horizontal with one another. And I think that's very significant for us, that none of us are an island. None of us just go into church and do our thing and leave. We are connected to people called the body of Christ. The Bible says, we talked about last week, rejoice with those rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. When we're sad, we need to all be sad in the sense of we're caring for one another, those who are struggling. If we're rejoicing, let's celebrate the wins and do that together. And yet, what happens along, brokenness happens in relationships, and it also can happen between even fellow believers, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And so it's interesting, Jesus talks about in another conversation how before you do any kind of thing sacred or moving in toward closer to God, you need to work out relationships with one another. In Matthew uh, 5, he says this. He says, therefore, if, you if you're offering your brother at a gift at the altar, I'm sorry, if you're offering your gift at the altar and then remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them that they can come and offer, that then come and offer your gift. So he's saying this, Take care of business. Take care of the things that you need to take care of with people so that you can grow closer to Jesus in relationship with him. Now, I don't know what business you need to take care of this morning. You're like, I'm here. I don't really know. I, yeah, there's this thing with this person. There's this situation, this relationship. I just want you to begin to think about that. In a, in a few moments, we're going to have the bread and we're going to have the cup and you're going to have a moment to go, am I am I?" dealing with what I need to deal with? Is there something, is there, is there some relationships that I need to work out with someone? I had a, with my spouse, we had a fight, and I re, we really haven't resolved that. Maybe it's with one of your kids. Maybe it was a coworker. Maybe it's another Christian brother's sister, and you just, there's something there. Now, you, you could get up and call them if you want. You feel called to do that, go do that. Or you could take a moment and say, Lord, help me to forgive them if that's what you need to do. Help me to reach out to him this week to make amends. Give, I make a commitment to do it. Make sure you do it, though. Be, be committed to what you're going to do. It's very, very important. So our, our response in breaking bread is this. Is it's relationship. It's relationship. It's taking steps toward reconciliation and re remembering the significance of this. See, the symbolism and the irony is this. Just as we are to mend relationships and bring wholeness to brokenness, that only happens through Christ's brokenness. When we break the bread that we'll do here in a moment, it's, it's, it's Christ's body that was broken in two to bring wholeness and healing in our life. Some of you have experienced a broken bone before, haven't you? And I remember our son who, um, he, he uh, by the way, he got engaged last night. Can I announce that? So, hear that. It hasn't been public yet, so don't tell anybody. Uh, so, uh, that happened last night. I, I'm letting him post the pictures and stuff if that happens. But we're excited for him. And wow, it's hard to believe. It's kind of, you know, uh, wow. Anyway, I, I just remember just to, to my wife, our process, and it's amazing. But he broke his collarbone. 
And I remember going to the doctor with him, and maybe this has happened to you, and like, man, you, it, the problem with the collarbone, you can't do a whole lot, it's put, put, put in a sling. And the doctor says, his collarbone will be, this one will be stronger than the other one once it mends. It, it calcifies and everything. Can I tell you, the stuff you're going through in life, the brokenness you've gone through, God wants to strengthen you and bring healing to you, and it's gonna be, you're going to be stronger through it. And that's the brokenness of God, uh, Christ's body, that we can have greater wholeness in our lives. It's so powerful to think, and that moves us to this place, really, really of gratefulness. And that leads to this word that we don't use a lot here, is the Eucharist. The Eucharist. You've never heard that. In fact, the church I grew up in, that was the word. Each week, I thought it was really good, they, they celebrate communion called the Eucharist. And, and it was, you know, it, it was traditional church that they had. And, and yet, this word Eucharist means, it means thanksgiving. It actually means thanksgiving. It comes from Jesus saying this at the Last Supper. He said he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them as saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, the bread's significant, right? Go back to the children of Israel. Go back to where they got freed from slavery. They entered the promised land. Should have took them about 40 days, but took them 40 years along the lines, that's a whole nother sermon, but you know, disobedience makes you wander. And so through the wandering, though, the Lord says, I am going to provide for you daily. I'm going to give you daily bread. And so he gave them manna. Now, how did they get the name manna? Well, what happened the first day, they opened up their tent flaps and saw this bread substance on the grass, and they asked the question, what's this? What's this is actually a question, it's called manna. Manna is what's this? And so that's what they looked. And he stated they did. And some days, and God told them, don't do this. Don't, don't hoard it. Don't keep it um, for the next day because it'll spoil. And some people didn't really trust the Lord. And they kept it. And they're like, well, this will be good for the next day. It rotted. It's spoiled. Don't keep it. And so he says, I'm going to provide for you daily. It's a daily trust that I am the bread of life that I provide for you. Well, that, that bread, that manna became the show bread was called in the temple and it was a ritualistic thing they did and so when jesus lifted up the bread it was the show bread and he goes guess what let me show you this i am the bread of life i am the one my body is broken for you and it's ultimately this this communion is a thanksgiving meal well you know think a big thanksgiving meal happening christ provided everything in this little expression that we do of communion and to be thankful for. Here's our response to the Eucharist, is thankfulness for Jesus, and guess what? Proclamation of hope of his return. Listen to what Paul says about this. He says, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death of what happened, right? We're thankful for that, but also until he comes. Many times we forget that. In the communion celebration of remembrance, we're also in a place of hope of Jesus' imminent return at any moment, any time. Some of you thought he was coming back in 2020, uh, but that didn't quite happen. We got close. Um, but any moment, Jesus could come back you know, a thousand years from now or five minutes from now. Be ready, right? Jesus, he said, oh, you don't know the day or hour. Anytime people put a date on it, 
It's wrong, okay? He, Jesus himself, you will not know the date or hour. There's signs of the times, but you will not know. But communion is this opportunity to move as people of hope, to anticipate that Jesus is going to come back one day, and for us to be ready. And, and, and to be ready is to do what he's commanded us to do, to be people of hope, but know this is to be people of love. Here's, a, here's the last expression I want to share with you before we actually dive into communion and have an opportunity here together. It's called the love feast. The love feast. Now, we don't really say that a lot here, but it was very biblical back then. It was what they really called of gathering together. They called it the love feast. And, you know, or the word agape, which is love, means sacrificial love. You find it, this mentioned in, in the book of Jude, you find it in other places where they spent time, they gathered together as a love feast together. And so it comes from what Jesus said when he gathered with them that last time. In John chapter 13, he says, This new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, that so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. That was the hallmark of them gathering together. It was going to be the example to the whole community, the people in the world around them, that this group of people, these people that they found is not only they, they, they love God, they love, they're loving their Lord, but they're loving one another. That would be the sign of the covenant, the new command with the covenant, to love one another. Jesus called them to that. This is the covenant meal you're going to have together, and they called it this love feast. Well, a lot of things, as time went on, even in the first century, it got out of whack a little bit. It got a little distorted. It, it got weird. You know, people gathered together. They, they lost some meaning. It got, it got distorted. And you could say, in some ways, it got soured in their experience of coming together. And it reminded me several years ago, when we are having communion like this, where we gave it out to each one, and you guys remember these moments where we, we hold the bread and the cup, and we ate the bread, and I'm holding up the cup, and I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm going, it looks kind of clouded. And I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe they use, like, organic grape juice. I'm not really sure. And so I, took, I drink mine, and immediately I realized, this is bad communion juice. Like, it's spoiled. And I looked over in this section, and everybody was fine. And then I look over here in this section, and everybody goes. And I go, we had some, I think you and I got the bad batch here, I had to kind of say to them. It wasn't good. It didn't taste very well. And I tell you, uh, someone didn't refrigerate in between months. I don't know what happened there. But all it's say is, we can have a soured experience sometimes in church. And that's what really what was going on with the first century here. And Paul gets really specific on this, calling him on the carpet. So this weird stuff's going on. He says this, and the following directives, he lives this, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, <laughs> listening to this, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt they have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. It's when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry, and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I praise you? Certainly not in this manner. So 
So people were coming together in these love feasts, having a good old time, having real wine, and drinking a lot of it, and they're, getting, they're gorging on the bread, and they're, they're, they're basically getting drunk on the communion wine, okay? Now, I've heard of being kind of drunk in the spirit and experience. They were really drunk in the spirits, okay? They were leaving that way, and you're thinking, that was weird, that's happening. And, and yet, what was going on is no different than times to say, we can, how do we approach coming to church? How do we approach gathering together? Is it so based on consumer which a lot of people, we can, people get caught up. That's what was happening here. They're coming for themselves rather than this community of sharing. If Jesus' hallmark for us is to love, specifically to love one another, that's not loving one another. It's being selfish. And we've learned in the last two and a half years where selfishness of Christians have been. We're consumer-driven, I want my rights, this is the way I want to do it, people have been. And we've seen this happening in our, in our world. And maybe we all could say, at some level, we have also been selfishness in our own faith. And communion is an opportunity to say, it's not about us. It's not about what we get out of it, it's how we give to one another and honor Jesus to do that. And, and Paul calls us on the carpet of this command of love and this otherness that we're called to do in sacrifice. But he says, but here's the warning. He says, so when, whenever, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of our Lord. Now you can read down, we don't have time to get into it, but you can read down in the next few verses, it got really serious. People got, their spiritual consequences and even physical consequences were going on in the community because they're not being obeyed. God's saying, my, my, my God, Jesus says, this is a sacred time. And it's very important to have, really, to do it for the right ways. And I, I'm sorry here, but this, you know, you're not going to gorge yourself on the little communion you're going to have today. You're not going to get, like, there's plenty here, right? There's, but what's the point of it? It's a heart check. It's the motive check. This is what he says. A man or woman ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. It's a moment of soberness and seriousness about your faith. It, you're consecrating yourself and saying, Lord, I'm here. I, 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 I'm doing a heart check before you. Is there anything in the way? It's kind of similar, like, when you come to the table, do you, do you remember as a kid, or maybe you're done with your, your, your kids, like, okay, wash up, time for dinner, and kids go, and they go in the bathroom, it's like 10 seconds or 5 seconds, and they come back out. Look, we wash your hands, like, no, you didn't. You, those are grubby hands. Go back, use soap, sing happy birthday, whatever it is, to come back. And I think the same way, we can kind of rush in our society. We can kind of get through and get over things, but we need to slow our hurried heart. Say, Lord, is there anything? Maybe this is a question as you hold the bread in the cup. Jesus, are we good? Is there anything? Is there anything that is in, that's not right? Is there something in my heart, my motive? Is there, is there a relationship as mentioned? Is there, is there, is there a sin that I need to confess? I, I like what Psalms says this, investigate my life, oh God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong, and then guide me on the road to eternal life. 
I don't know if you came in here today and your life is just off and there's issues and there's struggles and sin and all that. Here's a great opportunity to reset. Communion is this opportunity going, I'm not getting it right right now, but I know you did, you did the right thing, Lord, and I, I take this moment to reset my life today. There's always opportunity for this second chance. And when we do that, when we do the soul searching, it gives us opportunity to do, well, a soul cleansing, a soul washing. I love 1 John. I have to admit, I, I've, I've used it more than, than I have to admit, uh, but I have. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and do what? Cleanse us, cleanse us, purify us from all unrighteousness. This morning, take time when you hold the cup and you hold the bread. Say, Lord, are we good? Is things good? Because you're doing it not just for yourself, but you're also doing it for the people in the community that's around you. See, our response to the love fest is this, love one another. Love one another. We, we're doing it as a community. We're not just doing isolation on our own. We're actually in the body of Christ where we're, are we good vertically with people? Are we good, uh, sorry, uh, horizontally with, with others? Are we good vertically with the Lord? As we do this together, check your motive. It's so important because the mission's so massive. If ever we need to be together, if we ever need to be together in unity as a church for a community that desperately needs them is now. And, and communion brings us together. It reconciles us with God through Christ and what he did on the cross, and it brings relationship and connection with one another. I invite our team to come forward. So we're going to do it. We're going to have communion here in a moment. And as we do this today, we're going to do it a little bit different. It won't be served to you, uh, but you're going you're gonna to get up here in a moment, and you'll stand, and then if you're uh, basically, you know, the section you're in, there's a, there's a station. So you folks are here, the middle section here, and over here. And then I'm going to ask you is when you get up, just move to the right, and then just circle up. And up here is some choices for you today. There's, there's the cup and the, there's the bread and traditionally that we use. There's also a gluten-free cracker if you need that. That's a big deal for some people. We want to help you with that. But if you're not quite ready to who's touching what and COVID issues and stuff, we actually do have the, the prefab wrapper wrapped up um, sanitary one too. So our point is this. We want you to take it in your hand and then come back to your seat and you can sit I want you to sit in God's presence. I want you to sit and reflect and, and pray the prayer that the psalmist prayed. Lord, investigate my life. God, is there anything, is there anything, Lord, that I need to confess to you? You know, it could be sin, and that's, those are things, it, it, there could be some failings, there could be some things you're beating yourself up, but you actually confess some condemnation to yourself. Like I said, you've been a horrible boss to yourself. You don't have to be the Lord of your life any longer. King of my heart is not myself, it's him. This is allegiance meal. This is who's going to be at the head of your table. It's taking time. The word consecrate means to focus in, to dedicate your heart to the Lord and say, God, is there anything there, Lord, that is in the way? And I, I can recommit myself to you. And I commit myself to the body of Christ that I'm a, I'm a part of that needs me, they need my love, and I, I need their love together. Can we 
we do that together as a community? I think I get some help here. Those folks can come up front and start us off as thank you, ladies. They're going to prepare this as they come. I'm just going to invite you to stand. And just right now, this, this is just a, a time with you and the Lord. If you could, we could just move from the, the front aisle, um, the front of the room to the back of the room. And again, if you could just move to the right and just circle back into your section of your chair, we can go ahead and do that now. Bring it back together, hold it, and then we're going to eat together as a community. Let's do that right now.
together, I just want to remind us, I hope this is not a reunion with the Lord today. I hope it's communion. A communion of a daily commitment to Him. A daily taking of His bread. The bread of life. That His brokenness His brokenness gives us wholeness. Again, the disciples had no clue actually what was happening even after it happened. It didn't mean a whole lot to them till later. I I bet it took years to truly, truly understand what it meant and what Jesus had done. Through the the help of the Holy Spirit, there was revelation and growth and development of their faith and the, the robust theology that that was built not only in the first century but centuries to come that led to hundreds and thousands of years of communion of the Eucharist of the the, the, the gathering of the Last Supper that is remembered Jesus says do this and remember to me do this and remember to me do this and remember to me think about that that brought us to this very moment that we will do the same in remembrance of him I hope you had a moment. It wasn't long, I know. But take time. Thank him for what he's done for you. Jesus held the bread and he broke it. He told the disciples to eat of it. But what we're going to do in this moment, I want you to turn to someone before you eat and say to that person next to you, this is the body of Christ. And then go ahead and eat together. We do communion as a community, don't we? Jesus with one another, reminding each other what he really done. Dying his physical death on the cross to bring wholeness and healing our lives later he took the cup this cup he said a new covenant in my blood a new agreement a new work the the oldest past the newest come and there's not just this moment which is significant this is going to be the start of many moments once the cross happened and the resurrection and the and the and, and people get to understand this sacrifice with Jesus, this new covenant community, that whenever you come together, whenever you have an opportunity to gather and break bread, remember me and what I've done. It was my blood that was shed on the cross for the, the forgiveness of sins so that that shedding would bring cleansing to every heart, including your heart, this very day, this moment. Before you drink, turn to someone next to you and say, this is the blood of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the sensory experience that you knew ahead of time that we needed to experience and the hustle and bustle of life and the the quick, fast food grab and goes of our world, that we take this time, not just once in a while in a reunion, but a communal time together of having communion in community to taste and savor 
the bread of your body broken for us and the sweetness of the taste of that fruit of the vine that we savor it that taste and see that you are good and it's our meal that we share together to remember what you have done for us and we will continue to remember what you've done for us in a communal life together and with you. God, I pray whatever we've left here at the altar of, in our hearts today, that we leave here, whatever confession that we confess, whatever sin that is there, whatever harboring unforgiveness, whatever that might be, we left it here at the foot of your very cross to forgive us, to cleanse us, to empower us, and that we can go and have a fresh start a reset into a new week, a new opportunity to live and to serve you and to love others in community as one people, your body. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You go ahead and stand as we sing this final song. Thank you, ladies, for helping us here serve today. You can pass your cups to the aisle to collect them. Let's, let's celebrate the Lord together. If you need any prayer or anything like that after service, we'd love to connect with you. Let's, let's sing this out together. Have a great day.